0: You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource.
1: One of the best things about investing in real estate is the ability to use OPM, other people's money to fund your deal. Yet you get all the tax benefits, the appreciation and the cash flow from that deal while somebody else pays your loan off for you. So what is the lending environment Today, I'm Kathy Fedke, and welcome to The Real Well Show. Our guest today has been a private real estate lender for about 20 years. Brian Stark is VP of Originations at IceCap Group, a direct private lender in New York City, making loans to real estate investors nationwide. He's wholesaled hundreds of properties, bought and sold hundreds of properties, and originated over 1,400 real estate loans. And he's here with us today on The Real Wealth Show. So, Brian, welcome. How wonderful
0: to be with you, Kathy. How are you today?
1: I am doing wonderful. And I'm glad to have you on because we're seeing some changes a bit in um, lending. And I would love to get some understanding of it. We're seeing interest rates go up. Uh, how, How much have they gone up? And do you think that will continue?
0: Well, not to be contrarian, but the truth is we still see in the investment side uh, we still see rates pretty well depressed I mean, not in a negative way we, we see them held pretty low and in, in some areas they're even going down a tiny bit, because there's so much investment activity and there's a lot of, uh, um, I, I guess you would call it competition among lenders, like the company that we run and others like us. Uh, so everybody's kind of, you know feeding for the borrowers and, and depressing rates a little bit so uh, well. Well, uh, you know, there's a little interest rate bump for consumers. I think investment rates are staying stable or maybe reducing a tiny bit.
1: Wow, that is yeah. really good news. I
0: It's great I, news, yeah.
1: I, I was... I could see that because there is so much, there's so much money out there chasing some kind of yield and not able to get it, but lending provides that. So I'm not surprised, but I just haven't really heard that. Is it, is it more uh, private lenders and not so much the Fannie, Freddie lenders, the conventional?
0: Yeah. So for the purpose of this discussion, Kathy, there's two buckets, if you will. One bucket would be government backed money, like Fannie, Freddie, banks, you know, the people with the, big fancy buildings downtown. Uh, And then the other bucket would be all the private lenders. And when we say private lenders, we're not just talking about the nice guy that you sit next to in church, who's got a couple hundred thousand in their IRA. I'm talking about what have now become in the last five, six years, multi-billion dollar companies that have raised huge rounds of capital raises uh hedge funds private equity funds are in this business our company has its own fund family offices we're talking about very substantial private institutions that are in the business of making loans to real estate investors for fix and flips buy and holds and those companies are very competitive i mean we're not uh we're not governed by United States government regulations. Uh, in most cases, we're not uh, government governed by. Um stockholders were basically governed by the owners of the company who, you know, on a a given morning might say, hey, you know, let's get into this business. Hey, let's lower our rates. Hey, let's do, you know, higher LTVs. Let's go, let's go, you know, uh, compete with this company or that company. I want 50 more borrowers this month. Let's do another 50 million this month. And just that fast, they can lower their rates because it's their money.
1: Well, they must fall under some kind of regulation. I imagine it's well, pretty strict.
0: still. <laughs> to, to the extent that you and I are both regulated, we're not allowed to drive past a certain speed or steal somebody's uh, car, or we're regulated to that degree. But there's very little regulation of business-to-business lending. Very wow. little. Yeah, in okay. most states, in, in there are a half a dozen states in the country where there's a lot of regulation, and most of us, most of us, stay out of those states. Actually,
1: Wait, which um, states are those? I assume New Jersey, California.
0: Actually, California is one. New Jersey is not. Oh. Uh, Arizona, Nevada, North and South Dakota, Utah. Uh, most of us are not too active in Alaska. And the territories are kind of tough because just it's a whole different, you know, mm-hmm. business like Puerto Rico and stuff. But Interesting. Lower cost of money comes in a lot of forms. So one form is, hey, our rates are low, we're charging 5%. Oh, no, we're charging 4.75. Oh, we can do it for four and a half. But another lower cost of money is lowering fees, closing faster, raising what we call leverage. So we'll lend 80%. Oh, we'll lend 85%. Oh, we'll lend 80%. We'll lend 100%. So all those things are coming together to make more money available at a lower rate. And it's been said, by the way, that there's over $2 trillion with a T mm. looking for a home, liquid money that's literally sitting in investors' bank accounts. Well, I'm not uh,
1: surprised since $5 trillion was just created in the past year, so it has to go somewhere and it likes to go right. to real estate.
0: It sure does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you were going to say? I,
1: I was going to say that... Uh, we know that there were eviction moratoriums. There were all kinds of mandates this past year Mm -hmm. uh, that was confusing, but it did, it mainly applied to government backed loans, right? So if there was a private lender, they didn't necessarily fall under that regulation or did they?
0: Well, eviction mandates are different from foreclosure mandates. Um, I think any, any property owner wasn't allowed to evict a residential tenant. Um, I think there were some I, I don't know this law perfectly, but it's different in every state, first of all. And I think um, if the tenant was in default before the um, before the pandemic began, then an eviction was allowed to continue. But I think it's fair to say very, very, very few evictions have taken place in the last year. Um, I think it's also fair to point out that, um, uh, by and large, tenants, residential tenants, have paid their rent. Um, I think you don't see large apartment buildings, large apartment communities with, you know, 60% unpaid rents. I mean, you know, there, I'm sure there's landlords that have felt some pain, but by and large, people did pay their rent because not a whole lot of people at the upper and middle levels lost their jobs. Remember, people still work. They just worked from home. There's definitely a strata of people that that were feeling a lot of pain and we we feel for them. Uh, but even many of those people paid rent. They had savings, they had other ways to get money. So anyway uh, I, I don't, private lenders were affected to the extent that we looked at assets, residential assets, and are still looking at residential assets with a little greater level of concern than we may have a year or two ago. We didn't automatically, before this virus came along, you know, it was an automatic assumption, just like it would be for you that, oh, it's a house. It can rent for $1,300 a month. We can definitely get $9,000 a month for this. Wh- whatever the number is, we can get it. Now, suddenly, everybody has to say, well, wait a minute. Now, that, that neighborhood, people are moving out of that neighborhood to get out of the city and out to the country. People aren't renting in that area too much anymore. That's a tough area. People, there's a lot, of, a lot of non-pay in that you know, part of the city or part of the region or whatever it is. So suddenly, you know, we're looking at residential assets, not quite as solidly as we did yeah. maybe a year ago. And that's all going to stabilize out. It's all going to play its way out over the next six or eight months, I think. We're going to see that settle out. But definitely, it's affected us in that way. But I don't think any lender uh, has been affected by uh, eviction. Foreclosure is a different matter. When we know we can't foreclose, we're definitely a little reluctant to lend. So that's definitely been a thought.
1: Well, absolutely. There are certain states I would not want to be a lender in, and that would be Right. The judicial states, right, where right, right. Uh, the foreclosure has to go through the courts.
0: Right. Absolutely. We all love Texas. You can foreclose in 30 days.
1: California is surprisingly pretty easy, too, isn't it?
0: Is it? I, You know, yeah. we, we don't uh, do very much business at all in California, so I'm not as familiar there. Yeah. You have all the sunshine, you know, and Golden Gate Bridges and rice and all that stuff. We don't get that.
1: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. We we have options yeah. too.
0: <laughs> I, that's true. Sand. <laughs> okay. Sand. Fabulous people with tans and
1: mountain skiing. Okay. But you All know what? Everyone's down. leaving. No, they're not. I just found out it's only two percent more than normal are leaving the state. But that's having a big effect on other areas.
0: <laughs> it's funny. You say, you know, you mentioned two percent, and we don't think of two percent as very much, but 1% or 2% or 3% change in any industry, but especially in the mortgage industry and housing, those numbers add up to be hundreds of billions of dollars worth of results in, mm. in in a big industry like the housing industry across the country. If you hear something like, you know, the apartment community has a 2% rise in vacancy, that's a big number. That's a lot.
1: Yeah. All right. So as a lender, I'm curious what your thoughts are about the future, do you think there will be a lot of foreclosures as the mora- moratorium
0: lifts? Yeah. I, I would love to, uh, I'd love to be one of those guys that gets a lot of attention by seeing how awful everything's gonna be. But I like to tell you what I really think is gonna happen, Kathy, and I don't think there will be. First of all, I think most residential lenders, most consumer lenders will put, uh, will put unpaid balances on the back end of mortgages and will work with home buyers, homeowners. And, um, and I think homeowners that are really in trouble, many of them have an exit right now because the market is so hot that, you know, in some cases people will sell and become renters for a while. If they're finding that, look, I've lost my job, I, I worked in the theater, I worked in restaurants, I worked someplace where my job's not coming back. Uh, I worked in some industry that's kind of scaled down because of the pandemic and that's not gonna come back they're going to have so many options to sell. If they've got a little equity, they'll probably do that. I think there's going to be a very, very small uptick in foreclosures. And I do not think people are going to lose their homes at record rates. And suddenly there's going to be an avalanche of uh, residential opportunities. Not so much in the commercial world. That's a whole different you know, business that we could discuss. If you'd like to buy a large office building, now's a good time to be looking.
1: Is it? Are you? Because I haven't really seen the impact yet, but- are, are there starting to be defaults in commercial?
0: Well, there there definitely are a lot of discussions, and there are a lot of lawsuits already beginning, and there certainly are a lot of defaults in hospitality. So that's definitely that's those are definitely areas where if you know if you're interested, that's a good place to look. I, I think also retail. Um, that's those are not areas where I lend, but you know we see the the trades and all that stuff, and there's definitely a, a huge uptick in in defaults and in lates um, but on the residential side I, I don't think so I think I think most people will keep their homes who want to keep their homes and I think lenders are going to be this is a different thing from a mortgage industry collapsing because of financial reasons the, you know there, first of all the mortgage industry is not collapsing second of all uh, this is a, a non man-made you know thing that everybody understands including every company in the world they have to work with people and they are
1: yeah, I don't think any bank wants to go through that foreclosure crisis again.
0: No, no, no. And and just think of the, the awful press if a large company would be found to be, you know, taking on a large amount of foreclosures f- against when, people. When people
1: can... weren't allowed to work, yeah. Not yeah,
0: terribly. I mean, the, the, you know, no bank could tolerate that. And, it would be canceled. Yeah, it sure would. <laughs> yes, yeah. it certainly would, yes. By the way, foreclosures, even at the height of the pandemic, and I don't remember the exact um statistic but we never reached anything like you know 20 percent of all mortgages going into default it was maybe six or seven or eight percent something like that it's it's a big number like i said a a little percentage like that is a big number and so sure it was hundreds of thousands a month or whatever but you know the banks by and large could support that it's built into their uh loss ratios and sure it was extraordinary but you know it's not going to put a large bank out of business so
1: and what about the, with the eviction moratorium lifting? Are lenders concerned that landlords will run into trouble because they haven't been able to collect rent? Or, like you said, have, has that not really been an issue that you've seen?
0: Uh, not, not an issue that I've seen. It's not quite in our space, but uh, you know, as I look at how that piece of the puzzle plays out, I really don't think lenders are going to be too worried about it uh, for open loans because landlords will, you know, need to make an adjustment. So, a landlord has to make a decision. Okay. Mrs. Johnson in unit two hasn't paid for three months and now I'm allowed to evict and I gotta get rid of her because I need the unit back. Do I have the money to pay for the legal? Can I afford the cleanup and unit prep? Do I have the cash to hold the unit and pay my mortgage for another two, three months while I wait for a new tenant? Uh, If the answer is yes, they're gonna keep paying their mortgage. There will be no effect on the lender whatsoever. If the answer is no, then they're gonna have to get creative and figure out a solution. You know, I, I suppose there might be a little uptick, you know, as some some mortgagees decide they're going to walk away from their properties. But I, I just don't see that as being a big deal right now. It,
1: yeah, because... and even if it does happen, there's such a uh, lack of inventory that those oh. rentals will tr- turn into primary residences I
0: right think. right away, or rentals for somebody else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I think I think you're going to see shakeout at the lowest end. That's mm-hmm. where there's going to be. Problems and and maybe at the very 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 highest end. So you know if you have a four million dollar house and you're trying to rent it and you found that gee there's not a lot of people paying fifty thousand a month right now, maybe that's going to be a problem. Or if you have a thirty nine thousand dollar house and you're having trouble finding a six hundred fifty dollar tenant, that's not too surprising either. You know, mm-hmm. but everything else is should be fine. I think generally. Okay. Don't have a thirty nine thousand dollar house. That's rule number one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh good advice, thanks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. So, for somebody who is preparing to buy property and and get more investments, what do they need to to know? Like how how do they become a very good borrower?
0: Well, that's a great great question and I wish more people would ask you that question, you know, long before they Call my telephone number um, <laughs> for, first thing we want to see. And I think every lender wants to see is that you have um, that you have decent credit. We understand that, you know, you could have a 580 credit score and be a good person. We're not saying that you're not a good person if you have poor credit, but we make loans and all lenders make loans based on specific numerical criteria. We need to be able to sell our loans either to our own fund, to our own cash management structure, or to Wall Street or other institutions that will buy our loans so that we can turn around and use that money and make more loans. That's the business that we're all in as lenders. Uh, No lender, very few lenders hold all their loans, You know, lend all the money and then just wait for people to pay back. So number one, gotta have decent credit. I would say, don't even settle for 650. Get that credit up to seven, seven, seven hundred, seven twenty, as a mid credit score, before you come to a private lender to be in this business. Um, if you're going to work with a with a, a formalized private lender, if you're going to go to, you know, raise private capital from private individuals, credit's not as important, and it's definitely true that you can do that in that way. But speaking from the perspective of somebody who's working in the private lending industry, that's number one. Number two. You gotta have some cash. It's true that there are many ways to do this business without money. It's true. Uh, No money down, all these things. You can definitely do all that stuff. But from the perspective of somebody running a private lending company, we wanna deal with people that have liquidity. We wanna deal with somebody who can show us that they have in the bank enough to make money, enough money to make your payments for six months, enough money to pay your closing costs, your origination fees, and a little bit more, because we don't wanna make a loan to somebody who is gonna be out of cash by month number two. So have some capital, have some credit, have some liquidity. And if you don't have any experience at all, definitely get some knowledge, take a course, go through a workshop, get a partner, give up some equity. It's okay. Get a partner who's done 10 deals, done five deals to jump into this business or any business all alone, knowing nothing, having done nothing with nothing. You're just asking for trouble. It's so easy to make a wrong decision. It's great to do the first six, eight, 10 deals with someone who knows what they're doing. So those are three pieces of advice I could, I could share with you.
1: That's great. Yeah. And you're, Suggestions for helping people improve their credit. I know we've worked with a credit repair company f- mm-hmm. forever, and they keep our they help keep our uh, scores really high. But it, any other w- th- tips that people should know about how to improve their credit?
0: Well, yeah, I I have had a couple of uh, a couple of excellent credit repair professionals on my shows, and uh, we work with them as well. And so what we hear all the time is utilization. Keep it low. Keep it under thirty percent. One way to keep your utilization under 30% is to get a little more credit and use a little bit of it. In other words, some people think, oh, I pay all my bills off. That's wonderful. Great to pay all your bills off. But if you only have two bills and you know you only have $3,000 worth of credit limit, you're not gonna have much of a credit score. Get another couple three credit cards or credit accounts with a couple $3,000, $5,000 limits. Use 22% of those uh, credit limits so that your utilization rate stays low, but your available credit grows. So keep your utilization low, number one. Pay everything on time, everything. There's no such thing as making one late payment. It can't exist. Pay on time, always. Um, pay a day early if you have to. Set it up Get it up automated,
1: get it yeah. automated EFT, just get it, get it.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Cause yeah, that one late will uh, really affect your credit.
0: It really does avoid letting anybody pull your credit, uh, unless you absolutely need to. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely avoid letting anybody have access to using your credit. You know, don't mm-hmm. give your kids a credit card that can affect your credit score, w- unless you're paying the bill. Don't, don't have get a, a credit card with go- your
1: new boyfriend. <laughs> right?
0: I was just about to say boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. Yes, de- de- definitely dangerous. Just just be very, you know, you got to guard your credit like you guard your life. You really do. And and Just it's a, it's an ongoing process to build it and manage it and maintain it. Check it all the time. Once a week, go in those accounts, make sure everything's cool. And if it's not set aside time and fix it.
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a really good advice. I, we're doing a a refi to these incredibly low rates. We, we missed the super, super low, but we we're still getting a good rate and, uh, I own we almost didn't get funded because I didn't have enough credit cards. I have two credit cards and one I never use and actually couldn't even find it. And the other one, I just buy a cup of coffee every now and then. So I don't use them and they didn't like that. I didn't use them and didn't have more. So, you know, who would have thought?
0: I I will say it's a little different once you become truly wealthy. And I don't know your actual net worth, but I know you're successful once you become truly wealthy it's a little different because you can do different things you know when you're in the high 7s low 8 credit score late 800 credit score area and you have assets you know and you have substantial income you can operate a little differently you, you you might not need to follow those rules that i just described for somebody getting started
1: got it okay well we're just about out of time but is there anything else that our audience needs to know
0: Well, I I, I will say this. Uh, First of all, the best time to get started investing in real estate was yesterday. So whatever day you're thinking about starting, don't let any time go by. Just get started, jump in, figure it out, get going. Real (laughs) estate takes time. It's a building thing. It takes time to build equity, takes time to put deals together. It takes time for deals to happen. So get started as soon as you possibly can. Get all the education that you possibly can you know, learn everything become like a sponge, learn as much as you possibly can balance that knowledge against people who are just trying to sell you courses that may or may not have good information. Spend as much time as you can with people who are truly successful in the business, not people who act successful, but people who are successful, what kind of a watch they wear or shoes they wear or car they drive, which may or may not be paid for doesn't matter what kind of assets they own is what you want to look for. I know a guy who's worth easily a hundred million dollars. He wears mostly t-shirts, sandals, and shorts now. You'd never know he's, he's got all that stuff. In fact, most of the guys in this business, I say guys, cause I really mean men uh, that I know who are very, very, very successful, you'd never know. But if you look at their assets, those are the guys you wanna hang out with. You're gonna learn a lot in 10 minutes from those people. Spend your time with people who are where you wanna be.
1: Yeah, that's our favorite game. Where I live is is trying to figure out are they a billionaire or a homeless person because it's sometimes you can't tell. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So the, it seems like the one reason why somebody wouldn't do what you just said is fear that the economy is going to collapse, that prices have been going up for too long, that we're going to see another 2008. And you know, what are your thoughts on that?
0: The economy is going to collapse. Yes. We don't know when, but it will happen. The economy is cyclical. It always happens. The economy will collapse sometime. Who cares? There's always good deals to be had. Just learn to watch, be careful. Don't borrow too much. Don't leverage yourself too heavily. Always have cash, keep your credit strong. When the economy collapse, great, go buy more. Yeah, you know, I I knew lots of people.
1: Uh, I wrote about it in my book, "Retire Rich with Rentals." My mom's pastor had ten rental properties. During the downturn, they most certainly lost value that those properties, but he didn't okay. sell them. He right. didn't sell them. He was. Collecting the the rent and he was living off of the rental income. And during that time, actually rents went up because more and more people had lost their homes and were renting. Right. So, you know, he didn't actually feel the recession. And now those homes have gone up dramatically in value. So if you're holding for rental income, you don't need to worry so much about the value of the property unless you're That's right. sell.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a long yeah. game. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you're gonna be in this business. Yep. So. All right, Brian,
1: well, it was really a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show.
0: Pleasure's mine, Kathy. Thank you very much, and uh, make it a fantastic day.
1: And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. You can get a whole list of resources on our website, which includes lenders and property managers and teams who can help you find the property. They renovate it for you and have that property management in place and insurance agents, inspectors, all kinds of information and resources again at our website, realwealthshow.com. Just click on the invest tab. Have a wonderful rest of your day and thanks so much for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.